Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. This is Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co-host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. Stay tuned, because tonight we're talking to a leading expert in the paranormal and metaphysical. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. All right, we would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who is a leading expert in the metaphysical and paranormal fields with more than 60 books published on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics. Her current work focuses on interdimensional entity contact experiences, the afterlife and spirit communications, contact with extraterrestrials, problem hauntings, spirit and entity attachments, psychic skills, dream work, spiritual growth and development, angels, past life and parallel lives, and investigation of unusual paranormal activity. She has worked full-time in this field since 1983. Uh, she's also done groundbreaking research on shadow people and the jinn, entities who are involved in different kinds of paranormal encounters and problems. She's a certified hypnotist, a tarot reader, and also con- conducts dream work, intuition, psychic development, and past life recall sessions. Finally, she also co-hosts the weekly radio show, A New World Awakening, which features interviews with leading researchers in the paranormal, ufology, and metaphysics. Uh, she's also featured in many documentaries and docudramas on the history, A&E, sci-fi, Discovery, Animal Planet, Destination, America, and travel channels. Uh, before we introduce her, here's my co-host, Tamara Thorne, to tell you a little more about Rosemary. All right. Well, this is in Rosemary's words. Uh, like many people, my interest in the paranormal began in childhood. Inspired by experiences, extraordinary dreams, and intense interest in astronomy, and a voracious reading of nonfiction and fiction related to the paranormal, occult, science fiction, and fantasy. My interests were always wide-ranging, and that continues to characterize my research and work today. All these things in the paranormal and metaphysical realms are interconnected. My research includes history, mythology, and archaeology, as well as anecdotal experience. My work is oriented around the how and why of our extraordinary experiences. It was clear to me early in life that the paranormal and the unseen realms are real and that human beings have encounters and experiences that have been documented since ancient times. Our experiences form patterns throughout history that reveal our constant interaction with the afterlife, spirit realms, other dimensional realities, the divine and uncharted territories. I examine both the light and dark sides of our experiences 
from the mystical and angelic to the invasive, demonic, and problematic. To know one side, you must also know the other. Nice. All right. Yes, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you very much. How are you? Yeah. Overworked. Overworked. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way, though, because I love what I do, and I've always got new projects going, and uh, it's uh, an interesting journey in this field. Oh yeah, we were uh, when we when we got your uh, your bio and your information. Um, you can tell just by that that you are overworked and probably have been overworked for about the last thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> by choice. <laughs> by choice, yes. It's it's there's a lot. You have a lot of, of you know, credentials, a lot of interesting things going on. Um why don't we start by talking a little bit about how you got into this field? Uh I was watching some stuff. i we've never met before, but I, I was uh uh looking you up earlier and I thought it was kind of an interesting story how you kind of began in fiction and kind of ended up where you are. Can we talk about that? Sure. Uh, I originally wanted to write fiction on all of these topics that I research. Uh, I've been writing my whole life, and uh, I have written fiction, but um, an editor asked me to do some nonfiction in the 1980s, and I thought I would just take a little break from fiction and do some nonfiction and then go back to fiction, and I never did. And uh, so I've done over 60 books now in nonfiction. And um, I probably, at the moment, I have no plans to do fiction. Uh, It just seems like there's always something new coming up that I want to write about, something else I want to research. And uh, I think it's important to provide information in uh, these fields, the paranormal, metaphysical, and ufology, uh, that... Uh, people can relate to, make sense of, and um, also find some validation for their own experiences. I think right. the media too often treats these topics as uh, weirdo fringe areas, and uh, <laughs> that if you have experiences in these areas or you're interested in them, then uh, you're not part of the norm, when in fact I think it's the other way around. I think uh, just about everybody has uh, some sort of encounters uh, in these areas or experiences or interests, and they just keep a lid on it most of the time. But uh, people right. are hungry for information. Right. Yeah, the, the things you call um, jottles, I think that's something people ignore. We, we've had one in our house for 25 years that, oh, five or six times in the course of it, we know really happened. Can you tell us a little bit about jottles? I think that's the thing most people would ignore. Yeah, that's a very frequent uh, phenomenon, and it stands, jottle is a, a term that means just one of those things, and it was an acronym coined by a British um, psychical researcher, Mary Rose Barrington, a woman I met some years ago. Um, I've been a member of the Society for Psychical Research off and on throughout the years, and um, she started cataloging these uh, patterns of experiences that people have that there just wasn't any category to put them into. And uh, jottles are about, for example, uh, objects that mysteriously disappear from their normal place and reappear in some other strange place. 
or disappear altogether for a while and then uh, seem to return, uh, often again in an unusual place, or disappear altogether. And these sorts of things have been uh, blamed on poltergeists and fairies in the past, uh, or forgetfulness. You know, the skeptics will say, oh, you just forgot where you, you put something. But objects do move around, and um, we see this in uh, haunting cases, but uh, you can have jottles in your own home. Uh, I think we have uh, visits from time to time from the spirit world, and some of them are rather mischievous, and they uh, they like to have a bit of fun with us. But I've collected a fair number of jottles over the years, and uh, some of the circumstances are, are really rather unusual, where um, objects um, have just gone missing for uh, no known reason, and then they're found usually in some very bizarre place. Yeah, um, I had one, the, the very first one, I needed to go cover something for a local newspaper, so I got my big camera outfit out and my flash was gone and it was a theater where I needed to take pictures. I had to run out and buy a new camera flash and we kept checking it. Was This thing was in a place in our closet in our locked bedroom and I was just anal about it, so it made no sense. Six weeks later, the flash was back in the case. And it's just sort of a gosh wow thing. We've had a few other small things that we can't ignore, and they all seem to have a tricksterish quality to them. Do people report that, or is that something different? Well, most of the time they're benign experiences, and just like uh, I think that's why they've been blamed on fairies in the past, um, just something that wants to have a bit of fun. Um, there are cases in severe hauntings that that have a distinctly negative tone where uh, objects are moved around as well. But um, most jottles are very benign incidents, and sometimes there's really no known explanation for why they happened. Um, yeah. And um, some people experience them frequently, and uh, other people just might have one or two episodes their their entire life. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on our attunement to the spirit world and uh, what's interacting with us and what we're attracting to us. Yeah, we were yeah, talking. We, happens here, but it, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was just going to say it's funny because we were talking about this earlier today because we <laughs> and we were talking about this right before we read about the jottles. <laughs> yeah. I we we got it. We got a um uh, a new kitten and. Uh, uh, we've been trying to teach him, um, you know, to behave. And so we have a little squirt bottle that we squirt him with. And um, I noticed like two days ago, the squirt bottle is gone. I cannot find the squirt bottle. I've looked everywhere and I'm convinced that uh, the cats somehow did it. And then <laughs> earlier today, <laughs> when we were reading about this and we're like, Jottle. I'm like, Oh my God, I have a Jottle. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. I was so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have do you have any uh, personal experiences in, in in that Rosemary that 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 you know that you you feel pretty sure was one of those experiences? Well, I I have had cases involving jewelry uh, where um, uh, jewelry has um, seemed to have been apported over some distance uh, where it's gone missing and then it turns up in a distant location. Uh, and um, I haven't had any for a few years now. Um, I went through a phase, oh, about um, 
10 years ago where I see, I seem to have one of these jottle experiences every now and then. Sometimes I think uh, it's uh, just the universe waking you up to uh, something that's going on to make you aware of it. Uh, but I haven't had any recently. Interesting. Like what? Like what would be an example of um, of that? Like if if it was like you said, the you know the universe trying to draw your attention to something. Like what does that that mean exactly? Um, well, I think that when people start expanding their consciousness, uh, they start having certain kinds of experiences. Whether it's um, communication with a dead person, or a meeting with an angel, or seeing a mysterious craft in the sky, just something that expands consciousness and uh, lets you know that there's more than uh, a three-dimensional uh, reality. And uh, a lot of it is depends on the makeup of the person, what's going on in their lives, uh, what sort of crossroads they're at, what activities they're doing. Uh, for example, uh, when people um, start, um, and I've seen this a lot, you know, people get involved in ghost hunting, and so they start dealing with the paranormal, and suddenly they start having all sorts of unusual experiences because they've opened themselves up in that realm. And uh, they're getting feedback in, in terms of what else is out there that, that they have um, really haven't been aware of before. Well, that makes sense. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> we're trying not to step on each other. And we're I know, huh? We're, yeah. we're usually pretty yeah. good about it, but we don't have any rules about these things, so we're just going to plow yeah. on. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about, I'm curious about, there's, there's such a vast... Um, category of things that you've researched and written about is there one particular phenomenon that really floats your boat particularly well i have to say that uh, i'm interested in just about everything uh in an almost uniform way because um every area has its own particular charm i would say uh, its own particular depth there are some topics that i've gone into uh, more extensively than others uh, because of either personal interest or the material or the interest of the public. And uh, the afterlife would uh, be one of those, afterlife studies and communication. Um, I've spent quite a bit of time working with, on jinn cases uh, because not much is known about the jinn in our culture, and uh, there's a lot to be uh, researched in that regard. Um, I've done quite a bit on angels. I find angel lore uh, quite fascinating in our history of engagements with angels. And on the dark side, um, uh, you know, the demonology as well. Um, mm -hmm. I'm intensely interested in UFO and ET contact experiences, entity contact experiences of all kinds. And the dream work has been very important to me throughout my life. So I move around from area to area, uh, and um, uh, a lot of it just depends on um, uh, research topics that present themselves or what I feel the public is interested in based on uh, feedback I get and the emails I get. And then sometimes things uh, pique my curiosity, and uh, I want to know more myself, so uh, so I go into them. But, um, you know, right now I'm not doing too much in the way of ghosts and hauntings. Um, I've spent a good number of years intensely on ghosts and hauntings, and I'm more concerned with the afterlife and ET contact experiences and, and the gin and afterlife studies. But 
um, my work is fluid and it's constantly shifting and moving. So none of these are permanent directions. They're just um, markers on the road, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about gin. Now, is there, first of all, something that we in America usually refer use for another name for this entity or... Um, most people would recognize the gin as the genie in the bottle, uh, oh. which is a, a very one-dimensional description of them. They're really very formidable beings. Uh, they're, they exist um, in a parallel or an alternate reality. They're tied to the earth, and uh, they interact with human beings, and often in very negative ways. They're not all bad. They're not evil beings, uh, but a lot of them are hostile to people. And they are being shapeshifters engaged in everything that we experience. They can uh, manifest as anything. But in our culture, uh, we only know them through the old Arabian Nights folk tales, uh, the genie in the bottle, and we regard them as silly little things that uh, grant wishes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they're really very formidable, intelligent uh, entities, and um, they can be, when they're determined to create havoc for people, they can be quite difficult to deal with. Um, much of the rest of the world is very familiar with the jinn. They might call them by different names, but um, I've been doing quite a bit on the jinn for uh, about a decade now um, because they they haven't been very well explored from the Western perspective, but they're everywhere. They're they're in our hauntings, our possession cases, our ET contact experiences and abductions, mysterious creature encounters. Uh, all of those involve the jinn. They don't account for everything, but they are involved uh-huh. in everything. How would they? I'm very much into earth spirit elementals. That's what I use in my fiction a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, earth elementals. Now, how do they compare to those? Uh, they're another entity that of the earth that is non-human, correct? But they're uh, they're not-, not human. They have no known physical form. Um, in uh, their lore, it said they're either made of the wind or made of uh, smokeless fire. They can shapeshift into any form. Um, could they masquerade as an elemental? I, I suppose they could if it suited their purposes. Mm-hmm. But uh, elementals are uh, tied to the forces of nature. Uh, they're yeah. manifestations of the forces of nature, so they are distinctly different from the jinn. That's fascinating. I, I haven't ever really thought about jinn. That's I don't know anything. Yeah, most most people have yeah. not, and uh, so. Uh, it's been interesting to pursue that line of research. I've done two books on the gin, uh, the vengeful gin and the gin connection. And uh, in the gin connection, I trace uh, some of the evidence for their involvement uh, with human beings going back to ancient times. And uh, I think that uh, in terms of what we know about them, uh, it's the tip of the iceberg. Their name means the hidden ones. And uh, that's exactly how they prefer to be. They prefer to be hidden uh, so that we don't really know what they're up to. Uh, And um, uh, that makes it easier for them to um, go about unnoticed and to have um, 
activities involving human beings. Some of them are uh, run a lot of interference, uh, and uh, they create quite a few problems for people. But they're not the only entities out there by any means. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, we have we have we have uh, lots more questions, but I just need to take a moment and I need to uh, remind the listeners that you are tuned in to Thorn and Cross on a Night Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorn.com, or you can visit our mutual blog at thorningcross.wordpress.com. If you tweet, our handle is at thorncross. Be sure to visit us on Facebook and give our Haunted Nights Live page a like. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And we are here with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, author of more than 60 books, a leading expert in the paranormal and metaphysical. And that leads me to a question that I'm curious about because I don't know a lot about this stuff. And I, I am curious, what exactly is the difference between paranormal and metaphysical? Well, metaphysical is more involved with uh, spiritual development and growth. And uh, paranormal usually involves phenomena. Uh, hauntings, um, poltergeist stuff, unexplained phenomena, um, that you know that sort of thing. But is there an overlap between the two? Well, yes, there is. And uh, metaphysical is uh, usually concerned with um, refining and enlightening your consciousness through spiritual study. And uh, one can do that via paranormal activity, uh, I've often told people that if you start out ghost hunting and and you stay on the path long enough, you're going to wind up on a mystical path because uh, you'll encounter the same questions and phenomena and issues that uh, you know the mystics do. All, all the roads lead essentially to the same place. But some people just get stuck in what I call hamster wheel ghost hunting, and all they want is collect EVP. Really doesn't yeah. do much for expanding their consciousness, they're just racking up EVPs. And um, that's productive because um, that's an accumulation of evidence in support of the paranormal. But a lot of people discover through um, wherever they start, whether it's mysterious creatures or UFOs or interest in angels, that there's always a deeper aspect uh, to go into. And... um, it's like following a trail of breadcrumbs. You know, one thing leads to another. Um, I have a question back to the gin. Uh, when you said that, what do people often mistake gin for demons if they're of that persuasion, religious persuasion? Or that, is that something different? I think that many cases of demonic interference are um, misdiagnosed. They're really gin cases, and how do you tell the difference between the two can be very difficult for most people because they behave in the same way. Uh, And uh, the gin are going to be probably um, more self-serving. You know, they're armies under the aegis of Satan trying to destroy souls. They're Mm -hmm. engaging in hostile uh, activities against human beings for their own purposes, and yet they can act in the same way. They can create very disturbing phenomena in a house. They can affect a person's thoughts and dreams. They can even uh, possess a person. 
So um, it's often um, not possible to know right away exactly what you're dealing with in a case until you have some time to observe what's going on and uh, probe into somebody's background in terms of uh, trying to find out why something started. Why do Jim do these things? Is it uh, entertaining or what? (laughs) Well, I think some of them are entertained by um, toying with us. Um, they have mixed motives just like human beings do. Human beings are not all good, all bad. Uh, We're not all dedicated to the same agenda or same purpose, and it's that way with the jinn. They run from tricksters to terrorists, and they have um, their their own agendas uh, that they want to accomplish, and um, I think that's what we run into. Um, They're not all bad. But it seems that the ones that are uh, more kindly disposed toward us uh, aren't interested in interacting with us. And the ones who really don't care for us and consider us to be an inferior species uh, are finding ways to act out against us. So they're, I prefer to use the term hostile to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be hostile to someone that we didn't like or we thought was... Um, Uh, stepping on our toes or infringing on our territory, uh, Ah. we would be very hostile to them. And uh, it's with the jinn that many of them feel that we displace them on the planet and uh, they would like some of their territory back. But they have other motives as well. Some of them are involved in uh, just individual cases with human beings, interactions going um, over generations, um, you, you know, it's like um, a bad debt in a family um, gets yeah. settled by, you know, generations on down the line or grudges. And uh, so it's it's impossible to categorize them in any one way. We have uh, a natural uh-huh. tendency to want to turn all entities and aliens into um, little gingerbread men. They all look the same. They all act the same. They're all here to save us. They're all here to hate us, you know, whatever. And um, it's really quite a complex playing field, uh, just exactly like planet Earth is, with all kinds of interests, agendas, and temperaments going on. Interesting. Yeah. One thing. One thing I'd like to talk about is um, uh, I see that you are, that you've, um, you've studied um, past lives, uh, reincarnation, things like this. It's interesting to me because I, I don't, I don't like the idea. Most people, I think, like the idea of coming back. And and I've always said, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether whether we're reincarnated, whether we're not. I don't know. My mind's open. I don't know. But I absolutely do not like the idea of coming back. When I'm dead, I want to be done. <laughs> I don't want to come back and do this again. I don't. <laughs> and it's not because I'm miserable or depressed. I just don't want to keep doing this over and over and over. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. How many times yeah. does a person usually come back? Oh, that uh, It's impossible to answer because it would depend on uh, what their soul journey is and um, issues that remain unresolved from lifetime to lifetime. Uh, 
even desires to be with certain souls again. Uh, I don't think there's any limit to the number of incarnations that one might choose to undertake. And I don't think they're all on planet Earth. It uh, doesn't make sense to me that um, you would spend all of your lifetimes on a single planet. Um, so I think that we have um, many opportunities in multidimensional capacities to uh, experience uh, consciousness in different ways and different life forms in the cosmos. And uh, I think the individual soul makes a lot of decisions in terms of uh, what they're going to do and how often they're going to do it. Uh, if you want to take a few centuries off or you want to come back right away, or uh, I think it's up to the individual. Would you say that reincarnation is a... Oh, sorry. Would you say that reincarnation is... Uh, a learning experience. We, we're here to learn. That's what I always think. Oh, I do think incarnations are for the purpose of uh, consciousness and soul advancement. So, yes, every incarnation would be a learning experience. And um, some lives are going to be very difficult and, and some um, much easier. And uh, yes. I do believe in uh, compensatory uh, actions, uh, the concept of karma, and that there is a balancing that has to be done. And uh, if you, for example, have a lifetime where you did a lot of bad things, then there's going to be some sort of compensation that has to be done yeah. at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the literature on reincarnation is very interesting in that regard, um, how people feel that they have carried forward aspects from previous lives in their life circumstances, their health, uh, their relationships, and even their phobias and skills. Mm -hmm. That all makes sense to me. I've been into Ah. messages from Michael for 30 years. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he is. So how do you feel, feel, Rosemary, about about reincarnation? Is it something that that, uh, you enjoy the thought of? Um, I don't know if enjoy would be quite the right word, but I've believed in reincarnation since I was a teenager, and it's the only thing that makes sense to me. It does not make sense to me that we would have um, one incarnation, because it's not a level playing field out there. People have good lives, bad lives, and uh, people die at age six, and people die at age 96. And uh, if if you only have one shot at it, well, then it's a very cruel cruel multiverse. Right. Um, and yeah. uh, so I don't believe in an eternal heaven or hell. Uh, I believe in an afterlife, but I think the afterlife is fluid, and it is a place yeah. of preparation of you know, re, of evaluating what you've recently done and preparing for, for the next thing you're going to do, and that there are aspects to the afterlife that are literally beyond our comprehension. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, Alistair even wasn't open-minded about it until we started talking. When we first met, neither of us used the phone, and we were on that phone for hours every day, and pretty soon I asked him if he wanted to try a collaboration, and we've been going ever since. But the thing is, we pick up our text, our, we call them text machines, our phone, <laughs> oh, 30 <laughs> seconds before the text comes through, and we know what each other is thinking. We use the same words, and now we've been working for a while together, but we did this before we were working, 
And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a very odd pairing, and yet that's why we talk about it a lot, because it seems like there's something going on there, like maybe we plan to get together or something. We don't know. But yeah, well, many people have that yeah. feeling that um, some arrangement was made for um, souls to reconnect, and there have been some very interesting uh, research books done on that angle where it's not just two people coming together, it's even groups, soul groups of people coming oh. together. Yeah. And uh, I, I do believe in that myself, that um, uh, we can make prearrangements to, to reconnect. And sometimes we do and sometimes we don't because we have free will and we make choices. And, uh, well, if you don't do it in one lifetime, you do it in another lifetime. Yeah, uh, so, amazing um, when you get a vector that strongly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's definitely something. I mean, I, I've always just kind of been on the fence about a lot of things, but one thing that I cannot deny is that I have met people or experienced things, but in this case, particularly like met people and just known that I know that person. Yes. Yeah. And and you can say that, and people can say, oh, and they can explain it well they want. It's like, no, 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 I know this person. And and I think that's really interesting. It's very interesting. I yes, don't know exactly what it means. Uh, well, a lot of people have that sense of familiarity and uh, uh, having known someone in some way from another time. And uh, that is often the case. Uh, when two people feel very strongly attracted to each other, uh, a sense of having known one before. Uh, I did a book on soulmates and uh, interviewed people who felt that they had reconnected from lifetime to lifetime. And I I do believe in that myself, that uh, we do uh, meet up with uh, the same souls again, um, and maybe not always on Earth, maybe in, in some other places as well. And um, some of those meetings are happy and some are not. You know, if uh, yeah. you feel somebody really did you wrong, um, then uh, you might want to come back and sort of uh, balance the ledger in some way. Um, mm-hmm. Or uh, it works the other way around, too, that um, uh, we might come back and uh, put ourselves at somebody's disposal that... Um, in order to help them when we had uh, not been so helpful in the past. So there are many, many reasons why we reconnect with individuals. And uh, uh, we do share close relationships with some. And uh, I don't think we necessarily spend all of eternity with the same souls, but uh, we can certainly have um, meaning, you know, a series of meaningful meaningful lives and in the buddhist perspective ultimately you enter cosmic consciousness in which you're absorbed into everything that is and and so you you really lose your personality and and become uh, part of creation which is a hard concept for an ego centered uh, person to to grasp you know we we have egos and personalities and uh, if we believe in continuity, we like to think that there's some continuity of, of the ego, the personality. And there may not be. In the long run, there may not be. But um, I think we can certainly spend many, many lifetimes 
um, having personalities. Um, I want to ask you something that I've thought about a lot. Uh, in hauntings, I, I've never run into anything that I would consider intelligent, and that's probably a half a dozen things. But my thought is, I wonder if the false personality, you know, our ego, that stays put, whereas the soul moves on. I keep thinking ghosts may often, especially ones that seem intelligent, may be a, fault, a decaying personality, and that's probably why they slowly dissipate. Does that make any sense, or am I off my rocker? Well, I don't think you're off your rocker. Uh, I think there might be uh, various explanations for what we encounter in in haunted locations. And uh, what I feel um, we run into most of the time is, is just residual imprints. Uh, it's yes. just energy patterns that do not have a locus of intelligence to them. They're just there in psychic space, and they eventually do run out of energy. So like, you know, a battery would run down. Yeah. Um, there are intelligent presences in hauntings, and um, I believe that most of these are spirits masquerading as human beings. Now, some of them are just spirits being uh-huh. spirits, but spirits are capable of masquerading as uh, as ghosts of the dead, and some of them like to do that, and, and they want interaction with people. They want to be noticed, and they act out in various uh-huh. ways. And so when you- Then there are earthbound souls, uh, and I think that accounts for a very small number of intelligent presences in haunted locations. You know, people just get stuck for a while and uh, eventually move on. That makes sense. Uh, We were, Alistair, you wanted to ask about orbs? I did, because while we're on the subject of hauntings and things like that, you you know, I, I used to do photography, so I'm not real big on the orbs. But, <laughs> but you know, you have people, you know, with the orbs. Could you could you tell us a little bit about what orbs? I don't know what orbs are. Uh, <laughs> most of what people uh, think are orbs are just stuff floating around close to a camera. I don't think it's anything paranormal. People get all excited about it. Yeah. It <laughs> there. Um, but there is a genuine orb phenomenon. Uh, and whether it's a, a sentient being or um, a sentry or an artificial um, life form, nobody really knows. Uh, but they um, intelligently, um, I should say, sentient or intelligent orbs uh, do appear in some places and cases. Uh, and... I have the feeling that some of them might be like surveillance, but nobody really knows uh-huh. who's doing it or, you know, is, are they being sent by somebody uh, or by another life form? Are they a life form? Uh, nobody really knows. But um, stuff that shows up on digital photographs, uh, I don't get very excited about. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, people see cute little faces and orbs and... Oh, the smiley faces, yes. I just... It's, and they get very upset if you tell them it's just dust. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just dust. No, no! Oh, my God. It's violent sometimes. It's, it's oh, yeah. crazy. Now, I... Yeah. About a, a couple of years ago, uh, my husband and I were out in Arizona, and we went out... We were taken out to a UFO observing site uh, by two people 
and we drove on a, a dirt road and we walked on a dirt path to get back to this place and uh, they said there were a lot of orbs around and if we pointed our camera out we could capture them well there was dust floating around all over the place and uh, when I pointed this out, uh, you know, I thought we were going to be murdered on the spot. You know, how dare I, you know, uh, suggest that it's merely dust. Uh, and yeah. I, I did a study um, of um, how long certain particles will remain ambient in the air and what it takes uh, you know, to keep things in the air that you can't see with your eye but will show up uh, on a camera, whether whether or not you use a flash, and sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you walk across carpet, you will kick up minute particulates into the air. If you wa- even walk across concrete, you will kick up stuff into the air. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, we need to be aware of this. Uh, yeah. Are there yeah. anomalous photographs uh, of mysterious balls of fuzzy light? Yes, there are, uh, but most of them can can be explained as uh, stuff floating around uh, in the air. But there is a genuine orb phenomenon, and it seems to have intelligence and. Uh, is it an ultra terrestrial that is an unknown being from another dimension? Nobody really knows, but they show up in uh oh certain people who have affinities to the spirit world will have encounters with moving orbs uh, some e t abductees do <clears throat> some people who live in severely haunted places will encounter them, so there seem to be a variety of conditions under which they manifest interesting. Fascinating. I, I've done a lot of photography just trying to take pictures of dust, pollen, water, everything. You can get all kinds yeah. of smiley faces doing that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I thought so I had one curious. of the old ones, and I went back to the site and it got it again, and it was just an, an artifact. It was terrible. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Oh, it's okay. I was, I was curious about... Um, yeah, you said that you don't uh, believe like in a heaven or you know a hell or anything. And, you know, I either. I've never well, really been able to quite wrap my mind a, around that. No, I don't believe in a permanent heaven or a permanent hell, uh, but the afterlife, I think, can embody pleasant characteristics and unpleasant characteristics. Could could be very hellish or very pleasant, depending upon the uh, you know the particular conditions of of a person's mm-hmm. life and and passing. But I believe that the afterlife is mutable, and it is not permanent. It is a uh, a place and stage uh, yeah. where um, you know souls spend uh, a certain amount of time. But uh, yes, I think, for example, um, if you were, my personal belief is that if uh, you're a serial killer here on Earth, you're not going to have a very pleasant time in the afterlife. However, I believe that every soul has a chance to rehabilitate itself. I don't think that Uh anybody is ever consigned to a permanent hell. And uh, there might be uh, a lot of payback that that, uh, an individual is going to have to do or a lot of maybe even suffering that an individual will have to go through. 
but mm-hmm. we have the choice to uh, to rehabilitate or not. Yeah, this I've is interesting because if- there's so many there's it it's all across the board there's like this similar you know uh when you get into like the religious aspects of it the eternal bliss or the 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 eternal yeah. misery never been able to wrap my mind around that but what i'm curious about is angels and demons i'm fascinated by angels and demons and yes. where where if if not some you know eternal paradise or eternal pit of fire where do angels and demons come from and and what do you what are your theories on what their roles are I don't know where they come from. Um, presumably they uh, were created or came into existence. Um, you know, the Bible says God created angels, uh, and angels decided to fall. Uh, that's the biblical story of it. But my own uh, belief is that we live in a, a universe of polarity, and if you have good, you're going to have bad. Um, and so one requires the existence of the other for the tension in between. And uh, uh, how they came into being uh, depends on your beliefs of whether there is a creator God who brings all of these things into being or there's some other mysterious process that goes on. And the demonic side is the destruction and chaos and Although angels are not all good, uh, and I'm not talking about the angels who fell and became demons, according to the Bible. Uh, angel lore throughout history has uh, talked about angels who don't particularly like people. They think we're a nuisance. Uh, and there are angels who are very helpful and very benevolent. Today we think they're all good, all loving, all protecting. Uh, our ancestors didn't necessarily think so. Um, centuries ago, thousands of years ago, uh, they believed angels to be capable, uh, quite capable of harming people. And uh, that this, if God directed them to punish or discipline people, then that's what angels would do. They were impartial to the workings, um, you know, how the workings of of the cosmos place. So uh, I do believe that angels provide a great deal of spiritual support and strength to people and we and this is something that human beings really need we do need to feel that we have spiritual allies and angels are uh, fill that role in a very important way um are they better than us um we give them that status or are they just on a different path uh and they seem to be better than us um, so we've given them the role of being God's messengers and intermediaries, and they seem to serve those functions very well in that regard. But they may have other responsibilities and activities as well. I've always felt a very strong connection to the angel realm. I consider them to be uh, very important in my spiritual life, and uh, I think it is important to try and cultivate a connection to them. Wow. They're not black and white. You know, the thing is that nothing out there is black and white. And uh, Uh there's a a lot of blurry landscape. 
Well, on the negative side, um, could you talk about the rise in negative entity contact experiences? The negative what? The, the rise in negative entity contact experiences. Uh, I still didn't understand part of that. Something about oh, negative was, entity contact. The, yes, the, yeah, the rise, the rise in negative entity contact. Um, there's still a word there that I'm not hearing. <clears throat> How oh. weird. <laughs> yes. but, what, you want to know about oh. negative entities? Yes. Well, yes. there are all kinds of, ne- you know, demons. Um, some of them are negative, although in a technical sense, uh, a demon is an intermediary spirit and not necessarily bad. Um, there are ambivalent, even helpful demons um Christianity has has demonized the demons uh, and turned them into all evil beings but in ancient beliefs uh, demons usually caused most of the problems but there there were demons who were not necessarily all bad um there are all kinds of negative entities but here here again it's very subjective because um are they negative or are they just hostile and uh, human beings can be hostile to each other without being evil people. Um, yeah. And we run into the same thing with uh, with entities. There there are entities who do seem to be very malevolent and evil and very destructive. Um, our mythologies are full of these kinds of beings. Uh, and then there are other entities that uh, just seem to have a clash of agendas with us and... Uh, uh, act out in, in hostile ways against us. Um, for example, people report all kinds of experiences with beings we label to be extraterrestrials, whether than, whether or not they come from another planet or another dimension. And some of these experiences are positive and, and some are quite negative. Um, and so the negative ones might be using us. Uh, they might okay. look at us as cattle, does yeah. make them evil. <laughs> yeah. Might yeah. Think, you know, we're lower life forms that uh, they can do certain things too. So um, I, I think that uh, here again, we human beings have a tendency to polarize things as as black and white. Are there negative entities? Yes, there are plenty of negative entities, and uh, I deal with them in in uh, very intense cases where uh, there seems seems to be some uh, disembodied presence that um, is on a campaign of terror for whatever reason. And uh, sometimes you don't know the reason. Uh, right. Could you, could you tell us, could you tell us a story from like your, one of your experiences with, with um, a, a really powerful entity, whether, you know, good or bad, um, A negative entity um, that attaches to a person, um, and there might be many reasons why they attach, uh, usually has um, um, an effect that increases over time. And it starts out with unpleasant paranormal phenomena in the house, maybe just a feeling of being watched or 
starting to have nightmares or feeling a unpleasant presence in the house. And it increases uh, if the entity is able to latch more deeply onto that person. Then they start to feel that they have foreign voices in their head. They become depressed. Um, their relationships begin to deteriorate. They have difficulty concentrating. They have difficulty sleeping. Their health might deteriorate. And in the worst-case scenario, if the entity is able to move completely in, then it occupies the body as well as, as the mind. And um, most of the cases I see are on lesser levels where something is just has just infested a place and is sort of chipping away at at the barriers of a person and why this happens there can be myriads of reasons people have thin boundaries they've in, or they've invited it in uh relates to a past life um they have um emotional issues that um combined with thin boundaries that have attracted some opportunistic spirit um they're living in the wrong place uh the entity is land based and you've moved squatted on their territory and they don't like it um lots of factors involved but these cases do follow patterns and um not all exorcisms will work um Every religion has effective exorcisms, but they don't work in 100% of the cases. And a lot of times stuff will come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, uh, uh, if an entity is expelled and it still has a connection to a person or a place, it might very well come back at some point. And uh, so um, personal attachment cases can can become quite complicated, and um, there are cases where people require years and years of treatment or multiple exorcisms. And in the worst-case scenario, if the, if the victim doesn't learn how to um, strengthen up their own boundaries and keep something out, um, having someone uh, expel the entity over and over again is... Um, not going to be very effective. It's like, um, you know, shooing out uh, a roach infestation without getting at the root cause of it. You know, they just come back. Uh-huh. And so uh, every case is, even though there are these patterns of experiences, every case is unique. And uh, uh-huh. so, you know, people will contact me and say, well, I have this going on, that going on, tell me what to do about it. I can't give them a Band-Aid solution. Uh, there's no right. universal remedies. You know, you, you have to get involved in the case and do extensive interviewing to find out who's being affected and in what way and when did it start and how did it start and what is somebody's past history with uh, the spirit world because frequently yeah. they've had engagements with the spirit world in the past if they have, um, you know, certain thin boundaries. But I think that Attempts to interfere with people are on the increase, uh, and uh, and why why do you think that is? That's an interesting point. Why? Yeah, because they can. Because they can. What what because, does that mean exactly? Um, because uh, 
because they can. You know, why do people climb mountains? Because they're there. Right. Uh, okay. But <laughs> what I mean specifically is, is like, why? Why is it on the increase now? What What is it that they can do now that makes it easier that they couldn't before? Well, I don't uh, think that it's things that they couldn't do before. It's just that I think more people are vulnerable now for a variety oh. of reasons. Uh, their um, human consciousness is changing uh, over the course of time. Um, we have um, global thought forms that uh, enable uh, presences to manifest and we have huge numbers of people trying to be involved in the paranormal now and without any education or underpinning. We have huge numbers of people who have addiction problems, which punches holes in the aura. Uh, and uh, whenever people are in emotional uh, chaos, then um, they're a little more vulnerable than when they're healthy which is not to say that everybody yeah. who suffers a setback or has a health problem is going to be beset by spirits. But um, there are a lot of opportunistic entities out there, and they they look for the the um, weaknesses and the vulnerabilities. And um, I think we have just in sheer numbers of, of uh, people because of the population growth, we have uh, more opportunities for... Um, this sort of interaction to take place. Also, as we uh, push out to um, uh, more and more remote areas that have been uh, undisturbed in the past, uh, we're likely to tread on the toes of land-based entities that don't welcome uh, the company. Yeah. this instantly made me think of the crazy politics that's going on. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, it's American entities. It's, there's something, yeah. is it just the thought masses of the people that make certain non-politicians so popular? <laughs> well, we have a global mind now, and that can be manipulated. And I think we are being manipulated on a daily basis through... Uh, uh, social media and the news and uh, uh, all of these things are tracked by algorithms and stories are floated out there to see how they trend and how people respond. And um, yeah. Yes, there's yeah. all, all kinds of ways to uh, manipulate how we, we think and feel and that in turn influences how we act. That makes oh, a yeah. lot of sense. So we have um, to, unfortunately, we're almost out of time, but I want um, to ask you, uh, what are you working on now? What is there, you, what's your latest book or what, what well, my are you next, working on? Um, yeah, the book that I'm just finishing up is called The Zozo Phenomenon, which I am co-authoring with Darren Evans. And uh, this is nice. about uh, a rather hostile entity who goes by the name of Zozo who likes to attack people via uh, talking boards, spirit boards, like the oh. Ouija. And oh, that yeah. will be out nice. this summer. Nice. Oh, that'll be fun. Where can, where can listeners find out more about you? Because I, I, I looked you up and I was, uh, I, I'm interested in listening to more of your show as well. Um, can you tell the listeners where they could uh, find you, your books, your show, all that you do? 
my main website is visionaryliving.com, and uh, I also have a website on the gin called ginuniverse.com, D-J-I-N-N. The show that I co-host now with George Lopez is called A New World Awakening. It's on Blog Talk on Tuesday nice. evenings from 9 to 11 Eastern. Nice. So, yeah, so you do know how all this works. <laughs> like when we're oh, yeah. Talking before the show. I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> I wish we could have got the UFOs tonight. That's fun, too. Yes, next we, time. what we would like to do is um, there is such a, there is such a, a you know, rich cache of things that we could possibly talk about. And it was fascinating. And, I, and, and we did, you know, I, I kind of touched on a little bit of everything. And I, I, but we definitely would like to talk to you more like about UFOs, things like this, your work. So what we will do is we will keep in touch with you. And when you have your next book coming out or something, let's, would you, we would love to have you back. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Fascinating stuff. Yes. And, um, so, yes, uh, okay, we are out of time. So I'm going to wrap it up, and thank you for being on the show. And yes. thank you, everybody, for listening. It's 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 been a good time, Rosemary. Thank you. Uh, until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.